Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. One, two, Praise the Lord, everybody. Hey, wonderful to be here with you tonight. God is so good. Isn't he good, y'all? Ah, I feel so good being here and seeing everybody in the atmosphere is electric. It almost feels like we could plant three or four churches tonight, Pastor Campbell. <laughs> God is so good. Please open your Bible with me. There are two verses that I want to share. First of all, Matthew chapter number 16, and I'll read starting in the very first verse. And then I'm also going to read just a couple of verses out of the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 8. So Matthew chapter 16 and Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Oh, folks, we are living in some very interesting times tonight. And so putting all of the little pieces together and just praying and asking God what would be appropriate for this missions rally, I got the the mind of God in this one as I was praying, and I feel like God's going to help us tonight. Matthew 16 and then Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Now, before I read either of these two verses, I want you all to look up here. Let me just say something to you quickly. You know, we've had two very, very deadly attacks on the American homeland. And that's a term now that's very common ever since 9-11. But I want you to consider something with me. The first deadly attack happened in 1941 at Pearl Harbor. And some of you know the story. The whole USS Arizona was sunk. 2,500 plus soldiers died in that attack. And then, of course, 9-11, most of you would remember, almost 3,000 American citizens died in that attack. And both of those attacks had something in common. And I know the first thing you're going to think is, yeah, they both happened by airplanes. But that's not what I'm talking about tonight. Both of those deadly attacks had prior warnings that were ignored. Now, they never told me this when I was in school. When I was preaching in Hawaii... And I went out to the whole USS Arizona Memorial. If you've ever been there, you know you walk out on a little platform they have there floating over the battleship Arizona. It's a very somber moment as you're standing over top of that huge battleship. And you're looking down through the clear water. And you can see the ship as you're standing over it. It's sitting on the bottom of Pearl Harbor. The oil is still leaking out of the ship. Inside of that ship. Thousands of soldiers, they never even took their bodies out. They've just made it a permanent grave. And so they have a little sign there about being quiet and keeping the noise down. It's hallowed ground to military people. 
Now, I want you to think about what I'm going to say tonight in this message because during that little trip to Hawaii, as I'm going through the museum, they told the story about a radar team that saw these Japanese planes coming as they're about to bomb Pearl Harbor. And they thought it was a squadron of bombers coming from California. I guess there was a squadron of bombers that were scheduled to arrive. And so instead of doing the necessary checks and following their checklist and their protocol, they just saw it on the screen and just assumed, hey, here come the bombers. So they put their feet up on the desk, had another cup of coffee, but they were not bombers. They were Japanese kamikaze pilots. They failed to properly discern, didn't they? Now fast forward to 9-11. We now know that the FBI, the CIA, and the NSA said, we heard all types of, they call it chatter. They said months before the attacks, we heard things, you know, you know the, the, the spy agencies and the wiretaps and all the things they do to spy, you know, on communication. They heard it all. It, all the pieces were there and again, failed to discern it. And thousands lost their life in Pearl Harbor and thousands lost their life on September the 11th, 2001. And the thing that links both of those tragedies, America's worst two attacks on our homeland, is a lack of discernment. And I want to talk to you about it tonight because there's something very critical when we talk about missions, we talk about world evangelism, we talk about souls and winning the lost and raising finance and launching couples. Whenever you start talking about that, the thing that gives it its fire and causes it to push us to that extra edge is when we can properly discern the time that we're living in. Now look at the book of Ecclesiastes. One, two. Okay, we're on. Now listen. Oh, yes. Oh. Hey, we haven't even had the altar call and we got the devil mad. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to tell you something. When you can stir the devil on just a sermon introduction, we know we got the Holy Ghost in the house. Hey! <laughs> now, look at the scripture with me in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And I want you to watch what the Holy Spirit says here to us in verse 5 and verse 6. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 5 and verse 6. If you're there, come on, say amen. amen. The scripture says, he who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns, there's that word we're talking about tonight. A wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment because for every matter there is a time and a judgment. Now I'm going to stop there and I'm going to say something about that scripture. He said a wise man will do two things. 
here tonight want to be wise. That's right. Don't nobody want to be no fool. He said a wise man will discern time and judgment. Now, one of the things that we try to do, especially in preaching and in ministry, in Christianity in general, is to teach people to have good judgment. Come on, you know how it is. From a pastor all the way down to a follow-up worker, we're always telling people, listen, hey, you got to watch the people that you hang out with. Come on, have some judgment, man. We tell them, listen, don't spend more money than you make. Dear Lord, have some judgment, right? We tell them about bitterness and, and forgiving people. And so these principles are so great because they build you and strengthen you and they anchor you in Christ. So we have so much of that preaching that I don't even want to go there tonight. But the other thing the scripture says is if you're wise, you'll discern time. Which means, folks, that God is working in the realm of seasons and cycles. Come on, I want you to say amen. God is working in realms of time, he says, that are so critical for you to properly discern them and to know exactly what's going on. Now, remember that time is a measurable segment of eternity. You can't stop time. You can't save time. If you say, well, I'm going to save some time. You can't stop time, you can't save time, and you can't extend time. When it's up, it's up. You can't rewind and go back and do anything again. You can't turn back time. God knows I've sat in my office with a lot of people weeping and crying, wishing that they could just turn back just the last few hours of what I did just the last day. No, no, you can't do that. That's why the Bible says if you're wise, you'll discern time. Every moment that we live in any state of unsurrender to Christ is time lost. And our text makes it so clear that if you want to be wise... You're going to have to discern time. Now, in the text, Matthew 16, Jesus rebukes these Pharisees and scribes. And I want to show you what he uses as his argument against these people. And I want the Holy Ghost to use this tonight to help us. Has anybody come to be helped of God tonight? All right. I want you to read it with me. It's Matthew 16, starting at the first verse. Here's what the Bible says says, then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be foul weather or fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it'll be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. 
Pray with me quickly. Holy Ghost, we give you the service right now. God, we are so grateful for rallies like this where your people can feel your heartbeat for souls, for nations. That people can be drawn into great sacrifice, not only of themselves, their hopes, their pleasures, their finance, but they would understand that, God, there is never a sacrifice that can be compared to your sacrifice. Oh, God, get a hold of our hearts tonight and do something eternal that will make us excellent until the day you come again. Thank you for the word of God. Make it clear tonight. In the name of Jesus, would everybody say amen? Now, I want everybody to look up. Come on, I know y'all hungry, but don't think about no food right now. (laughs) Everybody got things to do to kind of put that on hold. We're in church, folks. Let's let God talk to us. Now, 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 look at me and listen. Jesus rebukes these Pharisees and Sadducees, and he calls them hypocrites. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, folks. Even if you lost wicked and evil, you don't like a hypocrite. You might as well say, man, don't nobody like no hypocrite. It's one of the worst things you can be. Old John Edwards. That boy was this close to being our president. Running around the country. Talking about my daddy worked in a cotton mill. And we came from a poor family, went to church, and we had values in our family and our morals and our this and our that. And as he's running around talking about he's a Southern Baptist with morals and a family man, got a hoochie mama on the side. And the worst thing about it is his wife was fighting cancer. And all up in everybody's grill. Talking about, I'm a this and I'm a this. You even know you're a hypocrite. Don't nobody like no hypocrite. Say amen, y'all. And so when Jesus calls you a hypocrite, and he done jacked you up. And he looks at these Pharisees, and he says, y'all hypocrites. And you know, so when I'm looking at it, I'm saying, but hold on now. A hypocrite is somebody who who say one thing and do the other. And I'm trying to figure out, Lord, how are you making this fit here? Because they ask him for a sign. He came blasting back. Hypocrites! You're like, come on, Jesus, man, take it easy, bro. But how many know Jesus ain't never wrong? And the reason he said it. It's because he said, you guys can walk outside and look at the sky. And you start saying, hmm, it's a nice day today. Sun is out. We can take a picnic. We can have a family outing. Look at that beautiful sky. He said, then you go out the next day and you can say, oh, Lord, it's going to rain. Get your umbrella. Get your boots. Get your raincoat, baby, because the rain is going to come. And he says, you can adequately discern what's happening by the time you've spent reading the sky and going outside and working and doing whatever you do. He said, you rightly discern the sky, but you don't know who I am. And what he's trying to say to him, listen, you all have been reading them scriptures. You've been going to that temple. Them prophets have been unrolling them scrolls week after week. 
prophecies about the coming Messiah and the Savior, who he was, where he'd be born. They had everything. I mean, it was preached to him week after week. And now he's here. And guess what they say? Well, you need to show us a sign. So y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. He said, because if you can discern that, you should be able to discern who I am. Because I'm going to tell you right now, ain't too many people walking on the water. Somebody say something. Come on. And you know, if dead people start getting up in Chandler, everybody going to be talking about it. Say amen, somebody. Can you imagine if y'all have a funeral? In this church, and on the way to the burial, the dead person sit up in the coffin and start talking about hallelujah. I'm going to tell you right now, Fox News will be down here, CNN will be down here, Channel 4, Channel 9, everybody going to be down here. Where he at? What happened? Did he really get up? That's right. He'd been dead for two weeks, and he sat up yet, and it would be on the national news, it'd be on the newspaper, everybody be talking. You don't raise nobody from the dead in quiet. Say amen. amen. But listen, Lazarus done got up. The widow of Nain's son got up. Jairus' daughter got up. And these crazy Pharisees talking about, well, you need to show us a sign. <laughs> Gee, y'all hypocrites. You know exactly who I am. But there's another agenda at work down in your heart. That's causing you not to even act on what it is that is so obvious. And his rebuke to them is you lack the ability to discern the times. They've been waiting for this. And now it's here. And they missed their Messiah. Now the reason I brought this scripture to you tonight at a missions rally. Is because as a preacher you start getting afraid. When you see patterns in the world and in the church that match these things that Jesus rebuked. And I'm telling you right now, folks, conditions all around us are screaming. Something is happening in America. I mean, if you are half blind and half crazy, you should be able to know that something is happening in this generation that requires you to stop what you're doing and pay attention. Come on, say amen. When you look around and you see the events that are so quickly coming upon us, they are designed to get your attention so that you can determine what's going on and fit it in to God's cycles and his prophetic systems of movement. That's why the book of Ecclesiastes says if you're wise, you'll know what time it is. I'm afraid for people because they can discern money well. Now is not a good time to buy a house. And then you hear him a few months later. Now is a good time to buy a house. They got all this wisdom. Boy, don't go out in the traffic right now. It's rush hour. We'll get stuck. They got all this discerning ability. They know everything. I ain't going on that side of town. Crazy people over there. They got all this wisdom. And y'all listen to what I'm saying. 
all this intellect and all this discerning ability to see what's going on. But when they look at what's happening in America, dear God, what's coming out of the White House, what's happening in our schools, what's happening in politics, what's happening in the economy, what's happening around the world, people can't see nothing. And what Jesus is saying is you are a hypocrite. Because if you know when to go in traffic, when to save, when to spend, when to buy a house, what's out of town to go on, there's something in you working to give you this discerning ability, then you should be able to open up a newspaper and say, hold on here. And people who don't do it is just like these Pharisees. There's some agenda that has somehow usurped the will of God in their life. And in this service, you have cause to be afraid. Somebody say amen. amen. Now listen, I came from London two weeks ago. And while I was there, there was a report the whole week about one of the British members of parliament arguing with this guy named Herman Pompoy. He's the former Belgian prime minister. He is now the president of the European Union. And he's in an argument with a member of the British parliament because he presented a document to this body. This is the European Union. And that document was outlining the structure for tearing down all the European walls and making the nations of Europe similar to the United States of America. You know, people see that, and all they can say is, man, I got to work some overtime tonight, need some more money to buy a boat. See, something wrong with you. They hear stuff like that, and all they're talking about, well, I got to go see my baby mama. All they talk, stuff is happening, and people have no discernment. Oh, yeah, they know where the right this is and the right that is, but they can't discern the times. Somebody talk to me now. I have an article here that I cut out of the USA Today about the United Nations talking about what they have called the UN Charter or Convention of a Child. Over 160 countries have signed on to it, and our new president, Mr. Obama, has said that he's considering signing on to it. Let me tell you what this is going to do. I'm reading from it. Listen to what it's going to do. It says, children will have freedom of thought, religion, conscience, association, and diversity of education. Children will have that. Can't even wipe their backside. What's wrong with this world? But in this, these are not foolish people, folks. These are people with masters and doctorates and PhDs. These are world diplomats, supposedly the best of the best. Some of them are lawyers, some of them are business owners, and they're sitting up in the United Nations from worlds represented all around the globe and saying children need to be able to think what they want, have any religion they want, any kind of conscience, associate with who they want, and have any kind of education they want. You better be trying to hold on to Jesus in these last days. 
Now listen to what that means. That means a child can think what they want, have any religion they want. So if you tell them you're going to church as long as you live in this house, there's coming a time they say, well, you can't tell a child that. God better rapture me. And I'll tell every parent that ever sits under any ministry I have, you better tell them children you're going to church. Tell them there ain't going to be no Muslim. Tell them there ain't going to be no atheist. There ain't going to be no Buddhist. Cut that little ponytail off and put your clothes on and get to Sunday school. Listen to this. They can associate with whoever they want. There's coming a time they say when you can't even tell them who their friends can be. If they want to hang out with these people, you can't stop them. And if you do, then you're the one that's in trouble. Now, I know a lot of people think that this is just progressive thought, but I'm telling you, this is far more than progressive thought. And you need to have some discernment. God help us tonight. Now, the danger in the text is that the Messiah that they've been waiting on is right in front of their face. And they don't know who he is. Worries. Worries me. Because folks, we are in that same danger. No discerning of time. You know, people today, (laughs) they're just living for another day. Got to get up, got to go to work. Got to go to the Britney Spears concert. Watch me a little TV, go hang out with my friends, work a couple little extra overtime so I can have some stuff. Hey, can't make it to church, pastors, vacation time. I'm going up here on the Colorado River and all kind of stuff like that. And people don't realize when you know what time it is, every priority in your life must change. And you would think that these people would drop their Phariseeism, drop their Sadduceeism, drop their religious nonsense, all of their legalism. God is in front of their face. But not only do they not drop it, they fight him all the way to the cross. Because that is the tragedy when people don't know what time it is. Jesus said in that wonderful scripture that we use all the time, John 4, he said, don't say four months until harvest what's wrong with y'all i can just hear him now what's wrong with y'all well lord four more months and then come to harvest he said harvest he said look at that stuff the tops are white right now and you're talking about four months what's their problem no discerning of time he said it's time now to preach say amen It's time now to reap a harvest. It's time now to plant churches. It's time now to be a disciple. Well, in four months I will. You know, later on I will. And he's saying no, no. And he's rebuking them because they don't know what time it is. And from Ecclesiastes to the text we've read all throughout the Bible, and even now the Holy Spirit is trying to shake us. He said, you better... Learn to discern the time. Now, real quickly, before I go on into something else I want to say, listen to this. I said that time is a measurable section of eternity. And the the, the revelation that I'd like you to leave here with tonight 
is that because time is just a little piece of eternity, that means that the world had a beginning and the world will have an end. Right? Because anything that you can label as so many years old, once it's measurable, that means it's finite. Once you can slap some years or some months, once you can slap some time on it, that means it's not eternal. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? The world had a beginning because the Bible says in the beginning. And it will have an end because Second Peter says that the elements will burn up with fervent heat. So if you're living for the world, you might as well answer the altar call night and go ahead and make it right. Listen to me. The church had a beginning and the church will have an end. It's difficult to preach this because people are so caught up in church. It's almost like church is the school that people never graduate from. Because we have to preach church, church, church. And people don't realize that church had a beginning on the day of Pentecost and it will have an end at the rapture. Say amen. And the bigger picture is called the kingdom of God. Which means um, while we're part of the church, this is wonderful. And we must serve him through his church. It is finite. It is part of that measurable system of time. But I'll tell you what else. You had a beginning and you have an end don't believe me go down to any graveyard and all you got to look i don't care if it's jode Maldonado, if it's jimmy jones if it's tyrone jackson why y'all laughing on tyrone jackson you can be white hispanic black it don't matter you go to the graveyard and every headstone will say the same thing. Tyrone Jackson, 1935-2010. And that dash represents his measured segment of time. He started in the hospital with a spank on his backside. And he finished in a hospital and a bed surrounded by his family. The world had a beginning and an end. The church has a beginning and the end. And you have a beginning and the end. Do you follow what I'm saying? Now, here's all I'm trying to say. Time is running out on everything. Because time only goes one way, folks. You can't keep it. You can't save it. You can't stop it. Time only moves one way. Always toward depletion. It's always counting down. It's counting down on the world. You can look at the, 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 the whole the ecology and, 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 and then the, the ozone and the this and the beaches and the pollution and the that. And, and the world is, is basically it, it's running down. They can try to save it and you can follow Al Gore all the way to the rainforest. But you can't stop it. Say amen. The book of Revelation says it's going to be so jacked up and run down that it's going to be almost unlivable. Listen, folks, God's word is true. Come on, stay with me now for a minute. Ecologically, the world is running down. But economically, it's running down too. Morally, it's running down. Physically, it's running down. And spiritually, it's running down. You know, we were just sitting 
in London a couple weeks ago. And the pastor was telling me about a lady who works in a school. She had a very frightening conversation with a mother of a little boy. Let me tell you about this. The mother was running a little late for school. And so she's, she's rushing to get her little boy to class on time. And right beside the school is a big Catholic church. And so they got a huge, massive crucifix on the front of that Catholic church. And so as the mother was walking there with the little boy, the little boy looked up and said, Mama, who's that man up on the cross? This is true. And the mother said, um, um, ah, son, I should know this. Her exact words. God, son, I should know this. And, and, and the reason the whole story came out is because when she got to the school, she's feeling so defeated because she couldn't give her son an answer. Like, I'm, a, I'm his mom. I should know this. And so this, this poor Christian lady who goes to the church, she goes and asks her, you know, what, you know, I know these Bible stories, but who is that that was on the cross? And the mother looked at her, well, you don't know? Yeah, I know. I feel bad. I really should know this. That's England, 2010. That's Europe. That's England, the place that used to send more missionaries than anybody else. That's England, the place where the gospel went to the four corners of the earth. You talk about missions. That was Mission Haven. And today, a mother don't even know that it was Christ that hung on the cross. You see why we have to have these rallies. You see why we got to pray and raise some money. Can you say amen? Folks, because the world is running down spiritually. The church is running out of time. So tired of hearing them preaching all this money and prosperity. Church has left its first love. Jesus said a great falling away. People getting divorced in the church just like people in the community, in the neighborhood, in the barrios. And so you look at the world is running down, but the church is running down. But you also running down. Look at some of you. You ain't got that fire of youth you used to have. And I know you got 50, 60-year-old people still trying to work it. But at this age, you ought to be trying to serve God faithfully. Pull your trousers up, pull your skirt down, and go on and live for God. Stop trying to be a teenager. Now, I'm saying all this to say this, folks. All around us are very clear signs and the signs are telling us that something is happening in our time you know one of the things that the bible says in matthew 24 when jesus disciples came and asked him that question let me just read to you what 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 he said you don't have to turn there just real quickly just so i can move on quickly matthew 24 verse 3 says now as he sat on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately saying tell us When will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They're basically saying, what is the sign that is going to move us and motivate us and prioritize us toward your heart? That if we see a sign, we'll know it's time to fix up. What is the sign that the world is going to end, that you're going to come back again? And if you've ever read Matthew 24, he starts laying them down one after another. This sign, that sign, Israel, earthquakes, famine, you know all of them. But there's one that stands out above all of them. And I want to dedicate the rest of my message to that one sign. 
Because it's here that you can't fail to discern. It's all around us. And the only reason God laid this message on my heart is because I know people have not discerned it. So how do you know that, Pastor? By looking at the way they live. By looking at the way they give. By looking at the way they pray and the way they serve God, you can tell that they haven't prioritized because they've properly discerned time. But we're hoping for something better in the service here tonight. Now let me give you that sign. He talks about the abomination of desolation. It's one of the four names in the Bible for the Antichrist. The book of Thessalonians calls the Antichrist the man of sin. The book of Revelation calls the Antichrist the beast. And then in 1 John, he is clearly, clearly called the Antichrist. Anti has two powerful meanings. One is to be against Christ, and the other means to put yourself in the place of Christ. Now listen to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. And I'm going to use this to launch my final thought in this message. 1 John 4 verse 3 says this. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Say amen right there. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Look up here tonight. Come on. He says every spirit. Somebody say every spirit. That's right. Every single one of them. And anytime you talk about a spirit of anything in the Bible, you're talking about a demon. So he says every spirit that does not say Jesus has come in the flesh, he said, is not of God. So I don't know why you keep arguing with Muslims. Because every one of them will tell you that God has no son. He said every spirit that does not confess that Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. See, that's the end of the argument. I ain't messing with you. Talk about no Koran. I ain't messing with you. The Bible says, if you can't tell me that Christ came in the flesh as the son of God, he said, then you are not of God. Say amen, somebody. It's about time church folks start believing something. And stop messing around with CNN and all them news channels and stop talking about political correctness and say what needs to be said. A Muslim is not of God. There ain't no God named no Allah. Oh, Pastor Carnegie, don't, don't say it. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Tired of this mess. Can't even get a Christian to say what they need to say anymore. So scared of politics and, and losing out on something. Why don't you let some persecution rise you to the level of glory like in the Bible? Start seeing some miracles and believe something. You listen to what I'm saying tonight. There's one throne in heaven, not two. When he said in the book of Isaiah, I am the Lord God, and beside me there is no other. There ain't no throne for Allah and Jehovah. Somebody ain't going to be there. And I can tell you right now, it ain't going to be Jehovah, because he is the creator. Say amen. He does hover over the earth. He is the great I am, the almighty, the king of glory, the rose of Sarah, the risen one. He is.
Good Lord, Allah don't even know how many wives to have. Now listen to me quickly. Come on now, let me get through this. It says, every spirit that does not confess that Christ is coming to flesh is not of God. So he doesn't stop there. He tells you what that spirit is. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. He didn't say it was the Antichrist. He said it's a spirit of the Antichrist. It is a demon that works on the behalf of that coming Antichrist. I'm talking about a man who is going to walk this earth as God. He's going to be filled with Satan and he's going to lead the world into deception and into hell. A destructive man with great charisma, with great looks and with great power. But with all of that greatness, he's going to be the devil himself. And the Bible says he is going to be so charismatic that most of the world will follow him in his deception. The only way you'll be saved is to have some discernment. I'm talking about somebody, folks, that's far more powerful than a Nigerian scammer. Isn't it funny that after 15, 20 years of these Nigerian scams, people still fall for it? (laughs) Folks, this is old time stuff now. My name is Alababa. I have recently found 8 million in a dormant account and I want to share it with you. And people still send their details and get ripped off. Because deception is so easy. Now I know you're going to say, no pastor, not me. You better stop leaning on yourself and say, Holy Ghost, give me some discernment. Because I'm telling you folks, deception is a powerful thing. I read last year in the paper that Jim Caviezel was in Veracruz, Mexico. Now, I don't even know where Veracruz, Mexico is, but he was in Veracruz, Mexico. Jim Caviezel is the guy who played Jesus in Mel Gibson's movie, Passion of the Christ. Right? The Jesus-looking brother. (laughs) Now, check this out. He's walking down the streets of Veracruz, Mexico. Didn't say whether he was there doing a movie or, or, or just on vacation. It didn't say. But what it did say in the paper, and the reason why it was there, is because as he was walking through the center of that town, people were running out of shops and houses with children saying, Jesus, pray for my baby. It said mothers were coming out. Jesus, Jesus, and they're running, pushing children in front of him. Jim Caviezel. He wasn't even trying to deceive people. Imagine if he stood up in the middle of town and said, I am the Lord. He'd have took over the whole place. And I'm talking about people who should know better. But I'm trying to tell you, deception is so easy. So don't say, well, you know, Pastor Carnegie, uh uh-uh. No, no, listen, don't even give me that. Because, listen, I've been a pastor long enough to know all the times I've sat with people, especially young ladies, Why did you get yourself pregnant? (laughs) Pastor Carnegie, he said he loved me. Mm, 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 mm. Girl, what's wrong with you? Men been saying that since 1955. That's the oldest trick in the book. That stuff is still deceiving people today. All a brother got to do is get a jerry curl. Put a couple of gold chains on. Put on a very white voice. And most of the church girls gone crazy. Yeah. 
What's going on, baby? Listen, you're going to give up Jesus. You've been serving God, loving God, full of the Holy Ghost, and going to let that deceiver take you just like that. I'm telling you, deception is so easy. Good Lord, if you can't handle a Nigerian and you can't handle some ghetto pimp, how are you going to handle a charismatic, demon-filled antichrist? Folks, the answer is not your own strength. The answer is you've got to discern the times. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, folks, listen. Good Lord. The scripture says that this spirit of Antichrist goes out into the world. It's talking about a system, folks. The world. Talking about the, the, the world of politics, schools, the world of education, the world of entertainment. Are you following me? It's talking about banks and, and businesses. It says it gets into those things of the world and starts pushing the agenda of this coming Satan-filled man. And it does it in order to make the way clear for him as he appears. Now, here's why I'm preaching this message. Because that spirit is so prevalent in America today. It's all around us everywhere. And so many people have failed to discern it. The greatest sign that Jesus couldn't give us is being ignored, misinterpreted, just like what happened at Pearl Harbor, just like what happened on 9-11 is happening right in front of our face today. Hmm. There's something, folks, that God wants to put inside of you here tonight. And I mean it with all of my heart right now. When I first joined the military, I was in the U.S. Air Force, stationed down there in Tucson. And I was in this combat unit called the 23rd Tactical Air Support Squadron. And I remember sitting in that briefing as they told us about strategic warfare. I didn't know too much of these things. I'm from back in the D.C. area. And I'm sitting there in that briefing, getting my orientation into military life and all these kind of things. But I understood what that colonel was saying to us when he said the way of modern warfare is for the Air Force to go in first and bomb strategic targets. Bomb the bridges and the enemy can't cross the river to get to you. That's called strategic warfare. You don't have to kill nobody. And those first waves of, wave of bombs are not trying to kill people. They are strategic. They are taking out special targets. Bomb the runways and the enemy's planes can't take off. Bomb the fuel storage depots and they can't refuel their vehicles. Bomb the electric plants and all the electric equipment cannot work. Bomb the communication towers and the commanders can't talk to the troops and there's confusion. Are you following me? And so you go in and just start bombing certain things. And before the army or the Marines ever walk in, 50% of your enemy's ability to make war has been destroyed. What have you done? You've made the way easier 
for the soldiers. Come on, say amen. I've just described to you the spirit of the Antichrist. He comes into the world and begins to bomb strategic targets. Things that hold up the gospel. Things that glorify Christ. Come on. Things that make people serve God and get saved and stay saved and anchor people. And just start, boom, boom, bombing them. So as to weaken the testimony of Christ in the world. To make way for this coming one. Good Lord. It's all around us. And people can't see it. It's the spirit of Antichrist. It's in America. It's right here in Chandler. It's all over these United States and all over the world. Listen to me. Removing history. Removing godly morals so that families will crumble. Getting into churches and attacking righteousness so the testimony of the church is weak and null and void. Is everybody hearing me? The Bible said, thou shalt not kill. But we've made abortion a political thing, and now we call it a woman's right. You know who's responsible for that? No, 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 no. It's not that little lady over there in Texas who started a lawsuit back in the 1960s. It's not the president. It's not the liberals. I'll tell you who's responsible. The spirit of Antichrist. But because people call everything by all these names that the media gives us, you failed to realize and discern what's happening right in front of our face. Book of Leviticus. Chapter 20 says, thou shalt not lie with a man as you lie with a woman. Why in the world we got six states in America letting men marry men and women marry women? You know who's done that? Oh, no, no, no. It's not Ellen DeGeneres. That's not who's doing it. It's not some homosexual over there in Hollywood with some big lobby and lots of money. It's not George Soros. I'll tell you who's doing it. It's the spirit of Antichrist. You heard the story. It made national news. The little girl who, in the final period of school, I remember when I was in school, the final hour was always the reading hour. I guess they still do it in some states. And she came to the final hour of school where they do reading. This little girl comes from a Christian family, broke out her Bible and started reading it. Some of you know exactly the story. It was in the newspaper. And the teacher went to that little girl and said to her, that Bible is not sufficient material for the reading hour. Are you going to tell me that's just progressive or separation of church and state? Don't you let the media tell you what to say. I'll tell you what, that's the spirit of Antichrist. Remember the one about the little boy? Just before Christmas, who, as the Christmas holiday, just this past Christmas, him and his family came back from a, from a spiritual retreat. Didn't say what church they were part of. And the assignment right before the Christmas break was to draw a picture to anything that reminds you of Christmas. Everybody's drawing Santa and snowmen and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Trees and presents. This little boy drew a picture of a cross and drew Jesus and the teacher called the principal, called that little boy's parents and said, this boy needs psychiatric evaluation. Something is wrong with him. Nothing wrong with that little boy. Something wrong with the school system. And I'll tell you what's wrong with it. The spirit of Antichrist. Come on, somebody. Why is it that every year at Christmas time we have these nativity battles? 
I'm tired of this mess. A little plastic Jesus, three little plastic wise men, a few plastic donkeys and camels, some straw. You can buy the whole thing for $29.95 at Walmart. Put it out in front of a building and people drive by and start screaming, ah, get rid of it, ah, get rid of it. What's wrong with people? All these lawsuits ain't got nothing to do with no separation of church and state. Folks, that's the spirit of Antichrist. It's stripping everything about God, this Bible, and Jesus and church. You know what worries me is people aren't discerning it. And just like in this text, we're in danger again of missing the Messiah. They missed him the first time. And we're living in America today that's on the verge of missing him a second time. Right here, folks, right here. I was up in Toronto preaching just the other day. Front page, celebration of Blasphemy Day. I had to come home and check on the computer. I never even heard of a Blasphemy Day. But what it is, is there's an ex-Catholic priest. Listen, when you're a backslidden Catholic, you know you jacked up. Oh, no, no, I'm not trying to be funny. If you can't serve, if you can't stay in a Catholic church, something wrong with you, serious. All you got to do is eat a few wafers and drink some grape juice. Now, listen to me, listen. An ex-Catholic priest, his name is Ronald Lindsay. He's a backslidden Catholic. And he's put together this thing called Blasphemy Day, and they celebrate it every day in the fall. And they have a blasphemy fest in Los Angeles. He encourages everybody to upload their greatest blasphemies on YouTube. It says they have blasphemy street rallies in selected cities and then a blasphemy contest where you write poems and songs and phrases to win money, whoever can blaspheme Jesus the greatest. And then they end the whole blasphemy celebration with a Bible burning day where they bring all these Bibles, just go to bookstores, buy Bibles, and they throw them into a big pile and burn them. Now, when they talk to people about this freedom of expression, there ain't no freedom of expression. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Now, folks, I'm saying all this because I'm trying to get you to see that it's right in front of our face. And Jesus said, when you see these things, look up. And along with that look up, I can say pray up. Like that old Baptist preacher said, look up, pray up. Pack up, because we're going up. Now I'm going to finish. <laughs> don't y'all, no, 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 don't, don't, don't encourage me, please. Because that's, that's my area of weakness right there. Y'all, y'all start working on it. <laughs> Listen. During the election, 2008, we elected a new president. And, of course, it's historical. First black man to be in the White House. You know, black folks love this back home. When I went back home, black man in the White House, black man in the White House. I mean, everybody's all excited. My family, they're all, ah, black man in the White House. Oh, please. <laughs> but I never really paid attention to elections like I did in 2008. And the only reason I paid attention to it is because of the things people were saying. 
Now, I, I don't really get off into preaching politics and all that kind of stuff. We know that politics is not the answer, folks. Jesus is the answer. So I don't waste time preaching politics. Not a Republican, not, not a Democrat can fix what's wrong with America, folks. They didn't break it. Sin broke it. And the answer for sin is the blood of Jesus. It always will be. We need God, the gospel, more and more. Can you say amen? But let me tell you why I'm saying this. It's because as I was following people's comments, as it began to look like Mr. Obama was going to be elected, and after his election... I followed certain things that people were saying and it made the hair stand up on the back of my head and it really capped off what I want to say in this message, in this missions rally to you tonight. And I'll say this and I'm going to be finished. I have some quotes here. Things that people said about Barack Obama's presidency. And I really don't think that Mr. Obama is responsible for what I'm getting ready to read. I, matter of fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not. So I'm not just trying to dump on our, our president, so don't, don't get me wrong. But I'm reading this to show you that something has shifted in America. And I want you to see this as we walk out of here tonight so that you can realize that the cause of missions is the greatest cause in the world. And if you want to give your life to something, give it to the will of God. Now listen to these quotes. These are quotes from people, many of them significant, things that they said about Barack Obama. Number one, Halle Berry. Uh, most people know who she is. I mean, she's won a number of awards in Hollywood. <coughs> Halle Berry said this, I'll do whatever he tells me to. If I have to walk the streets and collect trash off the ground, I'll do it to make his path straight. And she makes reference to a scripture where John the Baptist made the way for Jesus. <laughs> Listen to this one. A man named Mark Mumford, he is a writer for the San Francisco Chronicle newspaper. He said, Mr. Obama is a light. He'll help us to usher in a new way of being. I thought only God could do that. Stephen Davis is a German journalist from South Carolina. He said this. President Obama has God-like energy. He is beyond man. No, he's not. But I, I, I don't want... Don't, I, Okay, let me just keep on reading. The next one says, listen to this. <clears throat> Why think it's strange that God would become a man to help us in this time of economic need? Chris Matthews is a commentator for, for MSNBC. He said, Obama is bigger than John F. Kennedy. In my mind, he's bigger than the New Testament. Spike Lee, y'all know who he is? Beady-eyed little fool. No, 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 y'all, see, I'm, I'm trying to help you out here. This is what Spike Lee said. Spike Lee said, Mr. Obama's presidency is the most significant event in modern history. Time will no longer be B.C. and A.D., but B.O. and A.O., before Obama and after Obama. And the last one that I'm going to read says, what if God is in this man 
And we miss our chance to be led by God. Now, I read that to you, and I'm going to finish, because those quotes are not from people who are homeless in the street in the ghetto. Had that been the case, we could blow it off. These are just crazy people. Malnutrition, the brain not working right. No, no, I'm not trying to be funny. Just listen to what I'm trying to say. I mean, if, you know, if it was some people who had just been released from a mental hospital, you know, we, we could understand that. They're crazy people. I mean, what would you do if somebody walked up to you in, in, in the middle of the Chandler Mall and tapped you on the shoulder? You say, hey, what? See that person over there? Uh-huh. That's God. <laughs> right? You would call somebody. You need to come and get this brother. Because we don't do that in America. Down in some bush people, where they do juju or, or all that witchcraft down in Africa or India. And, oh, that's God. See, we, we can understand that, but this is America. Yeah. We got sense. We go to school, and we know that ain't no man God. Until now. I read those quotes because I want you to see these are things said over the airways in the United States of America by people who have at least a bachelor's degree. He's God. He's got the energy of God. He's going to change our being. And when you listen to it, you realize, like, like some preachers use this word paradigm shift. And sometimes it's kind, of, it's kind of big for my mind. But I know it means as if right down to the core, the way people think basically has begun to change. And that's what's happening here. Something has changed, folks. We would never in this country look at somebody and say he's God. But they've done it. And no one has challenged them. Come on, if we heard CNN and Fox News ripping these people apart, that'd be one thing. But no one has said nothing. What it means is we, as the leading democracy in the world, are at a stage in our history where we're willing to call a man God. And the only reason that's happening is because one day the world will call a man God. And we're ready to do it. It's no longer considered strange. It's no longer considered weird to look at a man and say he's God. Saints, you better discern the times. Now, my wife's, hus- my, my wife's dad passed away. Here I say my wife's husband. That'd be, that'd be me. My, my, wife's dad, my wife's dad passed away about four weeks ago. And, you know, it was sad, so they're all gathered around his bed as he passed away. And my wife came home changed after they did the funeral and everything. And she said to me, she said, you know, honey, and just, she's been a Christian a long time. She said, you know what? She said, nothing is the same anymore. I said, what do you mean? In other words, shopping and money and all the stuff. She said, you know, facing mortality changes you. And she said she'd reached out and touched her dad in that coffin and felt death and realized one day we're all going to be here if Jesus doesn't rapture us. And what she's saying is, I just can't think the way I used to think about things anymore. You know, giving to God means a lot more to her now. If God calls us to go out and pastor a church again, she's, you know, I'm ready to go. 
In other words, everything about her and her bones were saying, God's will now, God's will now. And the only thing that really brought that back to the forefront of her life is the fact that she realized the time is short. You don't sit by a dying person's bedside and hear them talk about their car, their house, or their bank account. All they want to talk about is Jesus, their family, maybe apologizing and making things right with people. Because when you see the time is up, priorities change. And in our scriptures, we're talking about discerning the time. And anybody who's got the Holy Ghost, if you're listening to anything I'm saying, you realize, oh, pastor, it's so true. Maybe you've missed it. Maybe you've been busy in the world and you've listened you know, to the world and their definitions of things and you've stopped to even realize. But tonight, God is, is pulling the blinders and you realize, oh, pastor, the time is short. This whole sign of the Antichrist is right in front of our face. I've missed it. But what it means tonight is when we come and pray to God, saying, God, everything is yours. <clears throat> no sacrifice is too great. No calling is too high than for us to do God's will before he comes back to the earth. A soul, a nation, listening to Bitwell and all the places we travel and preach. And one day Christ will take us home and nothing in Chandler, Arizona is going to mean anything. May God help us tonight to not just discern the times, but to properly respond where Peter says, seeing all of these things, what manner of people ought we to be? It means these revelations demand action. Let's kick into high gear. Can you say amen? <clears throat> Come on, let's be excellent churches. Come on, get off the sidelines, you guys, and become disciples. Young ladies, stop worrying about things and, and get behind your husbands. And let's do something for God because there's a great reward in heaven for those who will discern the times. Can you say amen? Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's pray together, everybody. I want you to bow your heads with me. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you 
you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. Thank you.